If you have your Bibles, would you open them to Matthew chapter 6? And uh, I do want to spend just a few moments today talking to you about what I feel is a super important aspect of every Christian's life, and that is prayer. And as we embark on a new year, uh, I usually like to spend the new year focused on prayer and fasting. And, uh, and I, I think that it's important. Sometimes one year I call, like, I'm um, like, hey, church, let's all do this together. And we did a 21-day a Daniel fast. And uh, some of you loved that and loved that. Others of you cursed me for that. And uh, if you don't know that, that's like a, a kind of a ve- vegan diet for 21 days. And so all my carnivores were cursing me and all of that stuff, saying, oh, man. Uh, and then on, what, on day 22, we all go out for ribeye steaks and all of that stuff, you know. Uh, <clears throat> But, um, but this year I just felt like, hey, you know what, I think this is just something that we need to sometimes just do on our own, and we need to learn that discipline of what prayer is. Uh, the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, um, pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing. Well, that's a tall order, you know, how are we to live a life of prayer and to pray all the time and to pray without stopping it just seems like a tall order and and i think we as a christians we aspire to that and so most of us have some type of prayer regiment already like uh formed in our lives now i've learned as a pastor there's lots and lots of different types of prayer um in fact i've learned that in church most prayers are real I guess pious they're they're proper we're kind of reserved a little bit when we're praying in church and um you know we like to look solemn a little bit and and uh just feel the mood of that uh a lot of us don't like to pray in church because we feel like there's a community standard that we have to live up to like i'm not going to be able to pray as good or eloquent as the next guy so I'm kind of just, I'll just be right here. Lord can hear my whispers just like he can hear an audible voice. And so sometimes we, we, we just approach prayer like that in church. Then uh, there's prayers outside of church that are different. Like, um, like when we pray for our food, it's, it's vastly different than how we pray in church. Uh, at least for my family. And I was a youth pastor for several years. And people would rush through their prayers to get to their food. You know, the prayer was always, uh, rub-a-dub-dub, thank you God for the grub. And, and it, I would be like, what, what kind of prayer is that? Like, I don't ever remember anything like rub-a-dub-dub. I'm like, and then I'd be like, no, man, I think we should kind of slow it down and, and, and just focus on maybe being a little bit more sincere with that. Then there's like prayers, you know, like you pray for um, children, you know, they're, they're really basic, like, like, dear Jesus, help me, thank you for loving me, because um, you're helping little ones learn how to pray. Uh, then there's prayers in our life that I think are some of the most powerful prayers. They're desperate prayers. You know, like when life hits you and smacks you upside the head and you got nowhere else to turn, and the doctors are saying, you know, there's no good outcome from this, there's no good prognosis, or maybe you're neck deep in finances, or 
whatever, but there's no other avenues to turn to. And the only avenue that we have to turn to is God, which we should have been turning to first. Uh, you know, it should always be a first response, not a last resort. But sometimes we just approach it like that. We're like, it's a desperate prayer where we're just crying and sobbing and we don't care who's around us because of our necessity in life. And then, uh, then I think, too, there's also seasons of prayer. When prayer is not just an isolated moment, but we have a season where we dedicate that season unto prayer. Paul talks about that in uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Well, he's talking about in the context of marriage, how sometimes in marriage it's good for uh, you guys to have a, a couple to have a concerted, devoted time of prayer for a certain period, and it strengthens the relationship there. And so I think that having a season of prayer in our lives is good, and I think that's what's on our horizon here in the new year, a season of prayer. That's what I'm going to encourage you guys to do. Um, I think that of all the privileges that we have as Christians, prayer ranks at the very top of the list. Amen. You and I have access to, to God Almighty. And it's not like, a, it's not like an email. It's not like a, a, a waiting list type of thing. It's, it's not like me putting in a phone call to the insurance company and then waiting a week before they even call me back. And I have to call about five times. It's not like that. You know, we have access to the God of the universe. And Hebrews talks about us being able to approach his throne boldly and go right in and talk to God. And uh, in Jeremiah, it tells us that God hears our prayers. He's faithful to hear our prayers. We learn through the New Testament that, that our prayers avail much. And so we know and we understand that prayer is like this awesome commodity that you and I have as believers that we can access God anywhere, anytime, 24 hours a day, seven nights a week, from here to eternity. God has made himself accessible to us through prayer. It's incredible. It's incredible for us to think about what prayer is. However... <laughs> Oftentimes, you and I neglect to cash in on that benefit. We fail to pray. And I am just as guilty as the next person. And some of us think like, like, like we're just too AD to pray. You guys ever felt like that? Like, I, Pastor, I can pray for just a little bit, but my mind wanders. And before you know it, I find myself out in la-la land somewhere, and I'm thinking about what happened to me last Tuesday rather than praying. Anyone that ever happened to you? It happens to me. It happens to me. Um, some of us just think we're too busy to pray. Like, oh, I can pray a little bit, and I can pray this, but when was the last time we spent an hour in prayer? Like we prayed for just an hour out of our busy week. For some of us, it might, might have been a while before. Some of us may have never prayed an hour. That just seems like an impossible feat, right? Um, prayer sometimes just eludes us because of so many different things. And we're tricked into this idea that, that we're praying 
and God isn't really hearing us, and we leave feeling our prayer time just kind of drained like uh, we're praying to the wall. And sometimes we just don't understand what prayer is actually doing. And we've not learned the discipline or spiritual maturity to pray. And so really I want to just talk about prayer for the next couple of weeks. And I want to break down some of those barriers that you and I have about prayer. So that we can understand that, that God hears us when we pray. And when we pray... We shouldn't leave feeling drained. We should feel leaving stronger. And we shouldn't leave with, um, we, you know, we may leave prayer with the same questions when we started, but we should have a reassurance that God is right by our side and God is in it with us. And that's a strength. So if you're not feeling those things, then maybe we need to explore a little bit what prayer is. See, when we pray, I don't want to just log prayer time. You and I can log prayer time, but logging prayer time does no good unless it's meaningful, unless it's important to us. I don't, want to, I don't want prayer to be a chore, you know, where it's something that we check off our boxes, something that we have to do. And I definitely don't want to approach prayer like it's a waste of time. Prayer is maybe one of the best things that we can do. And so there's a passage in scripture in Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus begins talking to his disciples about prayer and what prayer is. And so today I really want to just talk about the right approach to prayer. How do we approach prayer the proper way? And I think sometimes we struggle with our prayer and our prayer life because we're not approaching it the same way. So today I want to look real quick, at three aspects of prayer so that you and I can approach it the way that God approves. And I want to start reading in Matthew chapter 6, and I want to start reading at verse 5. Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So I'm going to stop there and uh, pause today to look at the first aspect that I want to mention today. And, um, and I want to look at cautions concerning prayer. Cautions concerning prayer. Now, in high school... I learned to do something very important. This was maybe one of my best, best classes, favorite classes, you know, besides study hall and art and gym. Um, uh, guess what was next on my list? Lunch. Well, lunch, yeah. Lunch would have been at the top. Look at the size of me, guys, right? Lunch, uh, lunch art, study hall, gym class, and for one year there, driver's ed. 
driver's ed. I like driver's ed because I knew the freedom that a driver's license would attain me, right? See, you, you, you can't get chicks until you have your driver's license because you don't want mom and dad driving you places, like, right? So the driver's license meant this is my ability to land a hot babe, mission accomplished. Yeah, guys, that's for later. <laughs> but, you know, in driver's ed, before you ever get to the driving part, they put you through the written test. And you have to take the written test. And if I remember, most of the written test uh, was just learning the street signs, learning the caution signs. It was learning the rules on how to obey. And, and so you, you have to learn all of that stuff before they even let you touch the steering wheel. So, so I think that that's a great place to start when we're approaching prayer. Let's learn the rules. Let's learn the guidelines. Let's learn what it's all about. And if you would think that if any group of people on the face of the planet would have prayer down pat at this point in, in history, it would have been the Jewish people, right? You would think like God's chosen people, the people from Israel, the people that he's called and led out of Egypt, you would think that they would have prayer down pat, but they do not. And Jesus was definitely not just addressing his disciples, but he was drawing a contrast to those Jewish people um, who had taken prayer for granted and they had kind of um, misplaced the importance and the priority of prayer. And to them, in this context, prayer had been nothing more than ritualistic. They were people of prayer, and prayer became so routine that it just became a part of what they did. This is what we do. We pray, okay? Bow your heads. We bow our heads before dinner, and we pray. And, and it just became so routine that it had lost its meaning altogether. Um, in fact, Jewish people often prayed uh, written prayers from script, and so a lot of times they could pray mentally with no heart or emotion in it. And they could recite the prayers without batting an eye, without thinking twice. And so oftentimes they would do this. And the most famous Jewish prayer, in fact, um, uh, when our missionary uh, Robert Spector was here, Robert Spector alluded to it, but it's the Shema. It's from Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. It's talking about the triune God. But this became like real pivotal to Old Testament Jewish people because pagans were polytheistic. They believed in all of these gods. And so this was their mantra. But they began to pray the Shema, and they would pray that every single day. And it just became to, to a point where they would recite it, sometimes just from sheer memory, no feeling or no thought in it. They would pray the, um, another prayer called the Shemoa Esrei, which means the 18. These were 18 uh, prayers that addressed various aspects of life. And a devout Jew, a faithful Jew, would pray all 18 of these prayers three times a day. So if you think in the morning when you get up, you have a regimented list of 18 prayers that you have to recite. Midday. 18, the same 18, before you go to bed, the same 18. And um, if you think about that day after day after day, you can understand how that might get monotonous. That might get repetitive. It might feel like you're logging prayer time. And that is where the Jewish people 
are at. So Jesus was cautioning them, don't be like that in your prayer time. Um, not just that, but don't, uh, they were predetermined. Their prayers were oftentimes premeditated, they were thought, and they would address different aspects of their life. And so it was carefully thought out, carefully written out, and from the head, not the heart. Their prayer was set, morning, midday, and night. Morning, midday, and night. Let me tell you this, church. It's so refreshing when you and I know that we can pray anytime, anywhere, in any place, right? I love to pray with you guys. I, I love it. I love it. But you guys know you don't need a minister to pray. You guys can go straight to God just like I can go straight to God. We can pray anytime. Um, and so for the, the Jewish person here, um, they felt very obligated to pray at certain times and in certain places. And this is still very much in effect in our world today. If you see them um, praying morning, noon, and night, not just Jewish, but also is people of Islamic faith. And there's different faiths, and you'll see them. Um, I've even seen them maybe in, um, in some uh, bigger cities, but right in the middle of restaurants, they'll, they'll put a mat down and face... Uh, what is it, face the east? Face the east and pray um, at certain times of the day. And they're locked into it. I mean, their devoutness is great, but I think they fail to understand, hey, we can pray anytime. And that's so powerful. They're so powerful. Um, we don't have to just pray at a predetermined time. In fact, uh, 1 Thessalonians tells us, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. How could that possibly be? As a young person um, growing up in the faith, I, I struggled with that. How could we pray all the time? How could we pray all the time? That's almost, that seems impossible to me, right? Because I have to do things that is not conducive to prayer. Like, like work. Or what about when I'm talking to someone else? Or, or you, know, you know, really we're supposed to pray all the time? Do we pray like getting up in the morning and brushing our teeth? Do we pray in the shower? Do we pray on our commute into work? Do we pray, you know, when our machine breaks down at work or something? Are we, are we praying when our boss is yelling at us? I mean, how, where is this idea of how do we pray all the time? And, and I think that's when God kind of revealed it to me through Scripture, is that it's not just about the act, it's about the attitude. It's being an attitude of prayer. Do you know that we can pray all day long? It don't have to be long prayers, but it's an attitude of prayer. We commune with God. You know how many times I commune with God during the day? So much that I forget. I talk to God all the time, especially when I smash my finger or something. I'm not cursing God. I'm praying to God. I'm saying, God, you know, help me out through this thing, you know. Uh, but it's just an attitude of prayer. And I think that that's something that, that we oftentimes forget. How do we pray without ceasing? It's not literal. It's not like we lock ourselves into a prayer closet and never ever come out of it for food. No, it's an attitude of prayer that we keep all day long every day. Um, in those days, long prayers were held with regard. Thank God that short prayers work just as well as long prayers. Now, there's nothing wrong with being long-winded. I was hoping for a little bit better 
that means I'm going to have to shorten my sermons. <laughs> I was like, there's nothing wrong with being long. There's nothing wrong with, you know, maybe going overboard a little bit. How, however, if we're trying to go overboard or growing long-winded to produce a result, and we feel like we have to log more to produce a certain, that, that's obviously wrong. Jesus is condemning that. He says, don't, don't be long-winded so that everybody sees you, that you're trying to draw attention to yourself. Not only be long-winded, but Jesus is also talking about don't necessarily say prayers that are full of meaningless repetition, like the pagans do. We still feel, or we still hear that today, you know. A lot of people, they repeat the same prayer over and over and over again. And, and I'm not doubting the uh, sincerity of that and maybe the faith that's behind it. And I do think that sometimes those prayers help us because, you know, sometimes we just don't have the right words to say. So maybe we need to recite something that we've been taught or something that we know. But a repetitious prayer over and over again um, just trying to invoke the spirit or feel more spiritual is obviously wrong. You know, when we pray, and um, I always liked in youth group because uh, we had, um, I don't know, I guess I was just, I always considered myself normal. I was probably abnormal. You guys know what I'm saying? I figured I'd get some amens there too. Yes, you are very abnormal. But then you get like people that pray and they be like, oh, Dear Father God, Heavenly God, Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, oh, bless you, Jesus, you know, this and that. And, and they would just repeat names after names and names of God. And I'm like, well, I think the Lord knows his name. You know, that's what I always wanted to say. God knows his name. It's not like, oh, you know, I, you don't have to repeat. So, but anyway, it's like sometimes we just fall into these habits of repeating things because we've heard them and we know them. Um, and... And it's oftentimes, you know, I call this uh, the are we there yet effect. Are we there yet effect. Have you ever ridden in a, on a long distance with kids and you get that question, are we there yet? Right? And that would be great if kids just asked that one time. But they don't. They ask it a million times. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And it doesn't matter how many times they ask that, it has no effect on us getting to our destination any quicker. Right? In fact, that's going to slow us down because I'm going to pull over and try to kill you, you know, because I can't hack it anymore. Right? You guys have all been there, right? Am I the only one that raised kids? Right? We've all raised, we've all been there. So some of you guys just, man, man, kids, you know what? Man, nowadays we have like DVD players and me and they just have headphones and just, man, back in the day, we, parents had to listen to their kids the whole car trip. Man, it was wild back in those days. But oftentimes I think we think in our prayer life that if we just repeat those things and, and we just keep coming to God and we keep asking. Now, and, I, and I'm not talking about perseverance in our prayers because I think there's an aspect, hey, when we persevere and we keep coming to God and we're sincere about it, God hears us. You know, like the persistent widow who keeps bringing her... I'm not talking about that. Uh, but what I am talking about is, is thinking that God will hear us more by the length of time that we pray. It's not the words that we say. 
It's the faith that's contained behind them. It's why we're praying that makes the difference. And the Jews were not doing that. In fact, they had a desire to be seen by other people. And so they would stand up in the city on the corner posts and they would pray long, lengthy, repetitious prayers to draw people's attention unto them. It was a desire to be heard and seen. And if we're praying that way, then that's definitely wrong. And to partner with that, I don't want anyone to ever feel intimidated and feel like you can't pray because you don't pray as eloquently as the person next to you. You know what I mean? There's some people that just know how to put words together where their prayers sound like, oh my word, it's so beautiful and so eloquent. I wish I could pray like that. When words, there are no words that we're ever going to speak that, that are going to impress God. God already knows all the alphabets. He already knows all the word structures. It's not the words that are important. It's the heart and the faith that's behind those words. So when you pray, and you pray with a sincere heart, it doesn't matter that it's not the most eloquent prayers. In fact, I feel like sometimes the prayers that God honors the most are the prayers that I can barely get out of my mouth. The ones when I don't have the right words to say. Because it's coming from here. We have to beware of what we speak, but also beware of wrong motives. Make sure we're praying with the right motives. You know, prayer is a time of personal communion with God. I want to make sure I'm in my, I didn't skip ahead here. Sorry, folks, it's one of them days. What are we talking about? We're talking about cautions. Nope, I'm right on track. Right on track to have you out of here by 145. Sometimes we get caught up in wrong methods and we feel like we have to pray according to the local standard. Uh, Bill Moyers, Bill Moyers was, uh, uh, he sat on the presidential cabinet for President Lyndon Johnson. He's on the executive staff there. And uh, one day at the meal, he was asked to pray. And so he stood up and he began to pray. Uh, but he was praying real softly. And uh, President Johnson said, hey, Bill, can you be a little bit louder? I can't hear you down, down here at this end of the table. And uh, Bill, Bill Moyer uh, responded, that's okay. I wasn't speaking to you, Mr. President. Uh, which took some guts, probably. They're probably pretty good friends, I would think. But, um, but that's the idea, is, is when we pray, we're not out to speak to the person next to us or to impress the pastor or to impress this person. Prayer is between us and God. And so the best way to do that is to, to be open and sincere and honest with it. Don't worry about the methods of it. 
Some of you are like, well, man, I, I've never prayed. I don't know how to pray. I don't know if I should stand up. I don't know if I should kneel down. I don't know how long it should be. If you're worried about all of that, just throw that all aside. All of that doesn't matter. It's about you talking to God. Amen. And sometimes it's short and sometimes it's long. So let's uh, look at the second aspect. I, I looked at some um, cautions. Let's look at some wise counsel Jesus gave us concerning prayer. Wise counsel. He says in verse 6, um, also yeah, I guess he opened this in verse 5 too, but when you pray, when you pray, and I guess this is the idea that prayer is a priority. He didn't say if you pray. He says, when you pray, prayer was expected um, as an expected activity for God's people. In fact, you know, all throughout Scripture, you and I are commanded to pray. It's part of what we're supposed to do is pray. And we have to learn to make that a priority. If you don't make prayer a priority, it just won't happen. You can write that down. It's not real flashy, but it's truth. If you don't purpose to pray, it's not going to happen. We have to make it a priority. We have to purpose. Um, it's sad, but it's true that a lot of people only pray when they're at church or they only pray you know, before mealtimes or maybe at bed. You know, we can pray anytime. We've already established that. But we have to get past that. We have to understand that real prayer is not just commanded, but real prayer is personal. In contrast of the hypocrite that's, uh, that they're praying in public. Jesus says in verse 6, go to your room. Pray in your room, which is a place that is private. A place that is unseen. He says, close the door and pray to your father. In fact, those are probably some of the best places to pray because it's just you uh, alone with God. And there's no one else to impress. There's no one else to say anything. And you know what I found in those moments? Those are the times when you can be the most honest with God. Right? Because in church, you know, we want to pray, but we don't necessarily want our next door neighbor here to know every detail of it. Right? Like, hey, man, um. Man, really pray for, you know, my, my person, he's going through something, and we're kind of vague, you know. Like, yeah, we don't need to know all the details, the gory details of, you know, how they're a crack addict, and they d just did this, and they're landed in rehab for the 37th time. And sometimes we're just, we just don't want to share those in front of people. But you know what? When you pray alone to God in a prayer closet in your room, when it's just you two, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. You just let it rip, don't you? Because no one's around to hear it. It's only God. And so I found out a lot of times when we're praying to God by ourselves, that is the most honest prayers that we can pray. So I encourage you, pray that way. Pray that way in your prayer life. Um, prayer is precious. Jesus encourages us to pray to your Father who is unseen. And... Um, this has a theological importance to this, to this phrase, who's unseen. Because in the Old Testament, 
God truly was unseen. His presence and uh, dwelt in the tabernacle behind a, a curtain or a veil in the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest could go in there. And they understood that God's presence was unseen for them. But, God, but Jesus is now saying, you know what? His presence is no longer closed off to us. It's no longer unseen. But you now have full access to an unseen God. So when you pray, you can pray in that manner. Hebrews approaches that and tells us that we can pray in the secret place or, or, or that we can approach God's throne boldly, which means that you and I have full access to God. That which was maybe closed before is open to us by way of Jesus. That's incredible to think about. Because Satan, I think, in today's day and age, Satan still wants us to think that we're praying to an unseen God. And he still wants us to think that we pray to a God where it falls on deaf ears, or that God can't hear us. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. We have full access to God. Prayer is powerful. Jesus tells us um, when we're praying, we're praying in a secret, then your Father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. God hears our prayers. He hears our every prayer. He knows what we pray even before we say them. And he's faithful and just to answer that. Lastly, just I want to look at some conditions concerning prayer. Verse 7, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, but your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Again, just real quickly, hey, we're not to be like the pagans when they pray. The pagans think they'll be heard because of their many words. It's not about words that you say. It's about your thoughts and your heart and your faith that's behind those words. Jesus doesn't want us to engage in meaningless repetition. And so I think when you pray, it's best, don't use the words of other people. Use your own words. And pray what you think. And pray what you feel. Now, a lot of times, if we're sitting there in our theological classes, we would never want to pray what we think and what we feel. Right? Because what I think and what I feel is so human. Right? We, I'm, God, I'm angry. God, I don't understand this. God, I don't think you can do this. Now that's a real honest prayer, right? God, I know you can do this. I just don't think you're going to. You guys have been there before, right? Or is that just me? God, I know you can give me $10 million. I just don't think you're going to. Right? You guys have right left, left places like that, like, God, I know 
we have a whole slew of politicians that need you, and I know that you can stir in their hearts, but, man, sometimes I just scratch my head. I don't, I don't see it happening. Right? I know you guys have thought that. At, at least every four years you think that. Right? Am I the only one that, like, you know, so it's like, but it's, I've learned that it's okay to pray your heart. God already knows your feelings and your thoughts anyway. So what is the sense of trying to hide them in our prayer life? So when we pray, pray honestly and genuinely. Say, God, I'm here and I'm struggling. And I don't know if you're going to do it. Walk beside me through it. You know what? And those are some of the greatest moments of faith that we have. You know, doubt is not the opposite of faith. Doubt, to me, works hand in hand with our faith. Because faith, faith is like the ability to step forward despite our doubts. You guys know what I'm talking about? Right? God, I, I need you in this moment. And in my humanness, I doubt, what's, I doubt a miraculous outcome but I'm going to step forward in faith despite of how I feel, despite of how I think. That is faith. Faith is living according to what is unseen, right? It's the essence of what we hope for. Also, I think maybe the best thing that prayer does for us, and I need to wrap this up because I really want to just give us a moment of prayer here, but um, prayer allows us to rest in our relationship. Rest in your relationship. Uh, I learned this as a kid, um, and I had a godly father who was always gracious and generous and quick to forgive. But have you ever messed up and you knew you had to have a conversation with dad that you didn't want to have a conversation with dad? You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, like you're going to have to tell dad that you did something that you don't want him to know that you did. And you're scared to death to have that conversation. You know, like when you took the car out without asking or without a driver's license or like out at two in the morning. Or you put a dent in it. Where's it? You know, all of those things. There's just moments when you don't want to talk because you feel like it's going to be awkward and you feel like dad is going to come down on you. And now that I'm a father and I have children of my own, I'm so wise that. Nothing that my kids are ever going to tell me is ever going to catch me off guard. Because I have already know. I've been there. Right? I, 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 may, I, may, I may be shocked that this happened, but I'm like, I know it's not out of the realm of possibility. Like, you guys know what I'm saying. Nothing that we can ever say is going to shock God. There's nothing, there, there's no shame that should keep us away from God. And just like 
my dad told me growing up when I got into those moments, which were very few. I was a very excellent A-rated kid. <laughs> Just ask him. He'll tell you. He'll, he'll lie and say, yeah, <laughs> right? But you know what? Dads are there to say, hey, okay, let's figure this out together. And my dad would always say, hey, we don't have all the answers right now, but let's, let's figure this out together. That usually involves some type of discipline. But sometimes it also involved him taking over and handling some situations. All right? Let me, let me handle that. Let me do that. And that's what prayer is. And I know sometimes we have to get past ourselves because we feel ashamed. And we have to have some real conversations with God that we don't want to have. But you know what? God knows all that anyway. It's the enemy that's telling us not to pray to God about those things. And when we do, God is, God is the great father who says, you know what? You may not get your dream desire. You may not get your answered prayer. But I am going to walk with you through this to the best possible outcome for you and for everybody else. And, and that's, that's what prayer does. It draws us and brings us closer to the Father through that. It builds our relationships. And so I think the only proper way, and I just want to pray for a little bit. I'm going to ask the worship team if you would come. And, and I want to end tonight with just a, just a moment of prayer. And, and I, I don't have a specific altar call or a specific this. I just want us to spend some time communing with God and praying with God. And, and there's no right words and there's no right way to do it. And and you don't have to come to a front. You can. Um, I encourage it because I always feel like it's a step of faith. But you can pray where you're at. And in this place, would you just open yourself to God and just begin talking to God? And if you don't know what to say, thank God. Thank Him for what He's done. That's a great place to start. Say, God, I'm so thankful for who you are. So thankful for what you've done. Thank you for drawing me close to in. And just remember the good things and begin to thank God for that. And then begin to pour out to God your heart. Say, God, this is who I am. And I need you. And I need you more now today than yesterday. Church, as we enter into uh, the year of 2023, I think there will be a great resource that will sustain us. And that'll be prayer. Amen. Amen. It'll be prayer. And I guess as we leave from this place and we go out into a season of prayer, we're going out to focus prayer. I want you to remember that you can pray anytime, anywhere, any place. Amen. So we might as well do that. Take advantage of it.
I want you to know that not only can you pray any place, but God's throne room is now accessible to us anywhere, anytime, any place. Your prayers are not out of religiousness. They're not out of uh, a recital or a, a book. But God is present with us anywhere, everywhere. And when we go to God with sincere prayer, sincere hearts, sincere minds, and we go to God with the right approach, Jesus says he rewards those. He answers us. He hears us and he answers us. That's encouraging to know that our prayers avail much in the kingdom. They do much. They accomplish much. And so don't fail to pray. Don't yield maybe our greatest privilege to the enemy because we neglect to do it. Make prayer a priority. Can we do that? Now, Lord, today we want to cement this sin in our prayers. God, not with lofty words or eloquent words, but God, with a sincerity and a genuineness that says, God, we, we need you and we want you in our lives. Lord, I pray for every believer. God, would we learn the disciplines of prayer? God, would our relationship with you grow stronger through our prayer? Now, God, I give you glory and honor in this place. Lord, continue to show your faithfulness, your mercy, and your love to us. Lord, I pray those things in your name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. You guys uh, consider yourselves dismissed. If you want to stay and pray, there's always time for that. Uh, check out our website for all of uh, uh, the announcements and all of that. But uh, Wednesday night, we'll see you. And then next Sunday, God bless you guys.